Ad Astra. My name is Tom Chick. I'm here with Christian Mukowski. I'd like to be known as Ed Asner. <laughs> what? Finally one wow. that I kind of understand. And with an Ad Astra tagline, hopefully in English and not Latin, Kelly Wand. The movie NASA doesn't care if you see. <laughs> I like the voice that went with the tagline, Kelly Wand. Yeah, like that's a NASA guy talking. So. Give me another tagline that doesn't involve like such heavy-duty bureaucracy and science. Look at the big brain on Brad. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, I got know. that one. Do you have one that's obscure that I won't understand or that will maybe like flummox me or dingus? Well, that does sound fun, even if it's not a euphemism. <laughs> so I have three more, and I'm just going to do them all at once. Yeah, run through them. Right? So you don't have to set them all up. All right. Disclaimer, Ad Astra means to the stars, not just other planets. <laughs> Warning, aliens may not appear. And this is for the poster? Maybe your dad's just dumb. <laughs> all right. Kelly Wan, those were all very strong contenders. Dingus, which one was your favorite? Hmm, I like the dad was dumb one. Yeah. I'm going to go for the one that uh, points out the Latin translation of Ad Astra and that the movie doesn't live up to it, and then ends with Kelly Wan going, Dee. Because even Interstellar goes to other right. stars. Yeah, exactly. The, Christopher Nolan knows what words mean. I have no clue. But look, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Kelly Wan, the listeners might be confused. What? What are they talking about? Dingus, that can't be. Tell, tell them a little bit about what we're talking about here. This week we saw, this week we saw Ad Astra, mm -hmm. a 2019 American science fiction adventure movie about a monkey ready to be shot into space. Space monkey! Directed by James Gray and written by him with Ethan Gross. It stars Brad Pitt, Tommy Lee Jones, Ruth Nega, <laughs> Donald <Yeah>. Sutherland, <laughs> uh, Donnie Keshawartz, Lauren B., and John Ortiz. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Thumbs up. Well, not yeah. but a thumbs up. Yeah. I like that yeah. guy. Uh, Ad Astra is rated PG-13. Oh, uh, come on. Dingus, I feel that that's uh, – I think it should be an R rating. Why Why is it just P only PG-13? Well, it's for some violence mm -hmm. and uh, bloody images mm -hmm. and for brief language. It's hmm. so dumb to me that we're rating space at things. You know what I mean? Like it existed before us and then we just grow like a little mold on Earth. We're rating it. We'll give you a PG-13. Right, Kelly Wan, this mold on Earth has a thing called morality. Is that what the ratings are? Yeah. <laughs> um, I noticed an improper use of moon rovers <laughs> and some black and white musical on a TV set. <laughs> That's probably uh, the word some there. So. Ad Astra opened at number two. It made $19 million. <laughs> it got beat by Downton Abbey. But the good news is it was neck and neck with uh, Rambo Last Blood, and it eventually pulled ahead. So it beat Rambo Last Blood. Couldn't hold a candle to Downton Abbey, I'm afraid. Uh, Medica, the critics seemed to be were like, yeah, okay, I'm into it. It's 80 on Metacritic, 83 on Rotten Tomatoes. However, hold your, hold your hats. Cinema score, B minus. Ouch. Oh, wow. That is harsh. The audience did not connect with Ad Astra. That title doesn't mean what I thought it meant in Latin, y'all. <laughs> uh, America. Kelly yeah. Wand, <clears throat> speaking of America, by the way, you're coming <laughs> back soon. Sweet. 
I well, I admit, yeah, right. The listeners will be glad to know that because now we can do movies that we might otherwise not be able to do, like Ad Astra. I might have missed that, like the complicatedness of it in a weird way. Like, of us having oh. to coordinate international release yeah. dates, yeah, yeah. Like it's the end of an era, so like, Yeah, like, it kind of is like the wall coming down, isn't it? When math, when uh, Luke Perry left, two one zero came back. I was worried you were gonna say something about Star Wars. Yeah. yeah. No, God no. What? Right. I don't remember. That hasn't been canon since the Christmas special. Kelly Wan, speaking of canon, we need an Ad Astra synopsis entered into the record. A new Latin word. What would you call it? That's such a mm. thing. Words. Uh, <laughs> it would be the <laughs> using Latin. It would be the Ad Astra synopsium. I don't think you know in any way, shape, or form any Latin at all. <laughs> but that sounds right. What'd you say? I wasn't listening. Uh, ad astrum synopsium. Yes, ad astronopsium. That's correct, Tom. <laughs> I wrote that. Thank you. But dig us at a second. Ad astronopsium. Say it one more time. I keep I'm yeah. excitedly when guessing. You talk, nobody can hear me. Ad astronopsium. Okay. Ad astropsis. Some red words are all the near future, a time of both hope and conflict. Beside me, George Lucas yawns. <laughs> Humanity looks to the stars for aliens and signs of progress based on their birth signs. Every word fades out except for humanity looks based on signs. A word in a space spots all ad astropsiums. Beside me, Neil deGrasse Tyson's all. Beside <laughs> him, Gosling stands up. If you assholes like this, fuck you. No more gangsta squads. Ever. <laughs> Eventually he sits. Back on the movie screen, a woman walks through a house and stares at us while flashback music plays. In a computer room, Brad's all, I will make smart decisions. I will be pleasant to the ear, nose, and eye. Uh, or at least the eye. Brad's brain's voice overs all. I always wanted to play an astronaut, with an eye always on the exit sign at the front of the theater. We watch him on a spaceship walk around some extras in slow motion. He has their words muted so he can listen to his own voiceover. One extra mouths, I loved you in Interstellar. Okay, maybe not loved. Uh, space is neat. Your psychological evaluation is approved. Brad hangs out with his friends on the International Space Station, so they send him outside. Okay, Brad, uh, that ladder might be broken. We just need you to climb to the bottom and give it a few good rattles and shakes. Really try to make it come loose with you on it. At least it's comfortable out here in space. Space, I understand. I can relate to, because it's empty and filled with dust. Suddenly, some sonic CG attacks. Blurm! Stuff falls off the space station and knocks people off. Brad twists a crank. Maybe this'll help. No, you idiot! The space station explodes and Brad forgets to hang on. He falls. Yes, he doesn't burn up in orbit. Eventually, Brad's all, Oh, by the way, and opens a parachute. The second he lands in the grass, some extras run up. I knew he'd <laughs> land right here! <laughs> There's a shot of some toilet paper in a dark room while ruminative music plays. Uh, I should feel something. I survived. Uh, 
I wish Quentin had punched this up. Beside me, Casper Van Dien's all, Yeah, Quentin on the boat. <laughs> Jaws is later in a conference room. Major, thank you for coming to work today. Your profile is very impressive. We haven't actually asked medical professionals, but rumor is that even while you were falling, your brainwaves never went above two. Regular Hannibal Lecter. Beside me, Casper Van Dien's all, Wait, I thought it was Lectern. <laughs> You also never stopped farting once. Sir, I was in a vacuum falling 30 million feet. It seemed like a good time. Mark Ruffalo is all, I left acting. Now I'm Secretary of Space Defense. Major, let's focus on the most important thing. Your character was married, but has no kids. Am I right? Sir, having kids is a dangerous business. No reason to subject others to having to listen to mine. Major, your fucking dad is on Neptune, annoying us with his EMPs. <laughs> calls it the Lima Project. He says directing them at Earth constantly will help him find alien intelligence out near Neptune. I don't... He's possibly nuts. Maybe he's right. Anyway, we need you to fly out there and ask him to please stop. He hands Brad Tommy Lee Jones' headshot from Space Cowboys. Same space suit. It's red. Let's focus on another more important question. How was your mother affected by your dad's absence? Uh, Major, we need you to go to Mars first, and before that, the moon. Long story. JK. Good luck. JK again. Black lady's all. By the way, you're undercover. We're sending you with this guy. Donald Sutherland walks in, slowly points at Brad, and starts screaming. Brad walks around his house. He watches an old YouTube message from Tommy Lee Jones. Hey, Brad, it's Tommy Lee, the other one. Man, here I am at Jupiter or something. God's presence. I love you, my son. Donald Sutherland walks in. I'm here to go on this trip. Keep an eye on you. <laughs> he sits down. May I sit? I knew your dad. He would always walk around the house. My ass is an animal house. Karen Allen's character was helpless before it. That's why it's called MASH. Eventually he leaves. Later in a room with the moon on TV. Hey, Brad, it's Eve. I mean, delete. I mean... His brain is all. I was harsh when I should have been tender, getting words wrong. This is what Thin Red Line would have been like if I'd been in it more than that one shot. <laughs> Later in an armchair room. Is this your first time to the moon? Uh, in this are all my movies. <laughs> By the way, I loved you in Gravity. You were the one thing Sandra Bullock couldn't grab. Here's your space suit. Brad's rocket takes off from Redondo Beach, spraying sand all over people playing volleyball. They shake their fists as they're incinerated. Can I get that pillow and blanket? After all, I forgot my luggage. <laughs> That'll be $125,000 billion. And the spaceport terminal at Alien has his picture taken with a CG human child. While Brad's VO's all, my dad can see this all now. He'd tear it all down. Classic dad. On the moon train, Donald Sutherland's all. Last time I talked to you, Dad, he called me a traitor. Or a traitor. The D, I wasn't really listening. Either way, he's a hero. In the moon base, a black dude hands Brad a clipboard with a picture of the moon on it. By the way, the moon has pirates on it. Not sure what they're <laughs> trying to steal, but... <laughs> Is your first time in a war zone? Uh, three years. Me versus the Arctic Circle. It had me surrounded. 
whatever the historians say, I refer to it as a draw. Plus a whole lot of Army-Navy games, a concept. Guess there ain't a lot you ain't seen, Pitt. Beside me, Angelina's all, except your own Oscar, bitch. <laughs> They're not together anymore, I think's the joke there. Brad watches Donald Sutherland fall asleep on a bench. Beside me, Arthur C. Clarke's all, classic Sutherland. Brad hangs out with friends on some moon rovers. The moon rovers drive around. In my head, the music's all, bop, 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 Uh, being old's cool. Sam Rockwell waves to him from behind a rock, then disappears. <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly, some pirates attack. Brad's brain is all, here we go again, fighting over resources. This case, moon rocks, I guess. The moon pirate extras shoot rockets at Brad's friends, but Brad tricks the pirates and friends by driving into a crater. <laughs> Vin Diesel's all, bro, that was sick. <laughs> he gets up and goes to the box office to pay more money. The pirates... <laughs> <laughs> That's what you do when you like something. Ooh. It's considered common courtesy. Although the theater doesn't see any of it. They really endorse the act. It's just for the concession stand. The pirates shake their fists from the rim. If only lunar gravity affected our vehicle similarly. <laughs> for fun, the moon base shoots missiles at Brad, but they miss and shoot past overhead. Brad stares at Donald Sutherland sitting beside him. <sighs> He's supposed to be my security blanket. Christ. Later in the moon's police station, Brad... <laughs> I don't want to be in this anymore. Here. <laughs> Take the cereal box. Proof of purchase. Oh, it has exposition on it. Later on another rocket. Welcome <laughs> aboard, Major. Just want to say we all loved your work in Serenity. Not so much in Allies. Thank you. Uh, this man seems at ease with himself. I wonder what that's like. Uh, Major, was that supposed to be in B.O.? A manly handshake ensues. Speaking of which, can you check on whether Colonel Sutherland's character's dead for me real quick? Sure. One second. Yep. Zither music plays while the rocket takes off and Brad's brain mumbles stuff. Later, an Asian guy's all. Guys, check it out. I brought a baggie of gray marbles. He hurls the rat at zero G and everybody laughs and tries to catch them with their hands and mouths, just like on Earth. Brad closes his hand on empty air and smirks. I'm going to go take a shit. Copy that, Brad. Let us know if you spot any ETs. Brad puts Sutherland's thing on his sleeve so it plays a video. This is an urgent top secret message for Donald <laughs> Sutherland's character. <laughs> Tommy Lee Jones is acting weird. As is his character. <laughs> What happened to my dad? What did he find out there? If it winds up being nothing, that'd be a lame ending. Oh, first man to Jupiter, first man to Saturn. The moon is way bigger! <laughs> I guess he means in the sky it's bigger. From Earth. 
that's the time Gosling's right. Brad stares at Tommy Lee Jones on the Space Cowboys poster that he's also <laughs> brought along on his mission to hang up on his wall. Undercover. Oh, airborne. He's 38 years old. Why the fuck would he do that? Beside me, Martin Sheen yards. Captain, we just got a mayday from another craft. Something about a psychotic baboon. <laughs> Ships Norwegian, like in the thing. This sounds extraneous and dumb. Uh, can we skip it? <laughs> Major, you're free to take command of this craft, but to do so, you'll have to tell me exposition. <laughs> Tend to the baboon's distress call, Captain. <laughs> <laughs> Gary, you want to be part of the next few scenes? Baboon, sir? Uh. <laughs> that sounds awesome. You scared. Most of us spend our whole lives. Later on the other ship. Uh, guys, uh, I found the captain. He looks fine from behind. Uh, for the twitching. Uh, oh, shit. Baboon. <laughs> Not breathing oxygen. Brad tricks the screeching baboon by shutting a door. It stares at him through the window for a few minutes, then explodes. Beside me, Goldblum vomits in disgust. Uh, hang on, uh, the captain's face is bleeding. Um, he finds some gray duct tape and tapes up the captain's faceplate. Uh, Brad, a rocket thing, uh, performing first aid, uh, <laughs> Because he's wearing a space helmet, the tape's not touching the cuts on his face as much as I would like. Over. God damn it, Brad, we have a minute. Just stop! Space. The baboon's natural habitat. Are we just specks of dust in a cosmic dream? Or what? Beside me, Aronofsky yawns. The Asian guy throws the captain's body into space. Great, Gary's captain now? Oh, God. <laughs> How'd that happen? <laughs> Please describe how performing in the baboon scene affected you. Uh, the baboon CG attack uh, was full of rage. I felt like a baboon. Rats in the walls. All I see is hurt, walled off. I wish I was dead, but also to kill everyone. Your psychological evaluation is approved. The rocket arrives at Mars. Hank and Arnold nudges me excitedly. <laughs> Nothing boring ever happens on Mars. <laughs> I keep waiting for Kaufman. <laughs> While they're landing the rocket ship on Mars with totally different gravity, they're landing it. Hey, spaceport to Brad. Remember when that guy said Mars is immune to your dad's stupid? <laughs> Bunch of alarms go off on the rocket. Gary, go to manual. Gary, go to manual. Gary, <laughs> Gary, go to manual. Gary. <laughs> I guess the rest of the crew says it does nothing off screen. They just watch Brad talk to Gary. Brad sighs and finally clicks a button that says manual. The ship lands dumb, killing a bunch of people. <laughs> Sorry, Brad, I thought that EMP sound effect was a baboon. Don't worry, I won't report this to Star Control. Uh, sir, I think you said that in VO just now. Your mouth didn't move and I couldn't hear it. <laughs> so I've been weak since Earth, since air, since birds. Okay, that I heard later. 
<laughs> Hi, I'm Ruth Negga. We call this the Red Hallway, and this is a different hallway. <laughs> Thank you, Ruth. I'll take it from here. Crazy Ruth. Ruth Negga's face is all, mm-hmm. Later. <laughs> okay, Brad, baby, this time let's really sell it. Let's try it without the farting. Uh, Dad, it's me, Brad. I'm playing your son in this movie. I'm saying things that were written for me on this piece of paper. Make sure Brad doesn't read this part aloud during the recording. <laughs> Document continues on next page. <laughs> Thanks, Brad. That was perfect. And nothing from Neptune. <laughs> Ugh. Fucking Brad. I mean, we'll try again tomorrow with the exact same words. Later, Brad. <laughs> Brad watches the birds show on his wall TV. They're using me. God damn these fucking birds. Later. Uh, Dad, I'd like to see you again. Remember when we used to watch musicals together? Newsies was your favorite. <laughs> in the recording booth, an old woman in silver Kevlar's hand gesture is all, Shh, this is really good. I remember you tutoring me at math. I got a D. It'd be great to have at least one scene with you in this, even if it's kind of boring. Your loving son in this, Leo. I mean, ding, 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 ding. Everybody <laughs> in the booth cheers and starts drinking champagne and making out. Then they notice Brad's looking. Slowly sink from view. <laughs> it's kind of dumb, actually. Major, thank you so much for your help. You're fired. You'll be going back to Earth tomorrow. Great work. He answered, didn't he? No one could resist that speech about newsies. Major, please. You're under arrest for having a high pulse rate. Thank you again. In the hallway, Brad passes the crew of the Mars rocket. Hey, guys. Cool hallway, huh? Guys? Hello? Uh, Gary? They walk icily past him as if they've just sat through Cool World. <laughs> Brad's face is all, man. Later. Uh, my name's Brad Pitt. Your psychological evaluation has failed. <laughs> Ruth Nega walks in. I was born here as a child. Here. She hands him an iPad. He eventually finds the play button. This is a top secret wave file uh, we just heard from Neptune. <laughs> God, I gotta get to Neptune immediately. I don't want to miss a second of that. Hit play again, fool. Uh, this is Tommy Lee Jones. I was in uh, Black Moon Rising. It's about a car. <laughs> that party last night was crazy. I think I killed everybody. They didn't believe in aliens. Wait, who am I writing this to? I better delete this. My God, I gotta get to Neptune immediately. I don't want to miss a second of that. Then you're gonna need my help. Ruth opens the door to a tunnel. Then she drives him to the rocket while Brad's captors watch his empty room on monitors. Then Brad puts on a space helmet and swims through dark water with a rope in it. <laughs> Stupid NASA forgot they had that. Later on the rocket, look, it's Brad Pitt! The crew start shooting each other. Brad's all, I mean no harm, I mean no harm, ow! Damn it. What was my plan? <laughs> kind of like Rambo Last Blood, but it worked out better. 
The Asian astronaut screams like a samurai and stabs first Brad, then himself, while Brad helps. A canister of farts bounces around, fizzing. Brad goes up to Gary. Gary's face is blue, his eyes are bulging and bleeding, and his tongue's hanging out. Gary, thank God you're okay. Here, put this mask on. Like you need to spit. Gary, go to manual. Gary! <laughs> Gary's not dead, but he keeps staring at Brad until Brad sighs and leaves. Later... Uh, Stardate, whatever, uh, all crew deceased. <laughs> this is Brad Pitt, heading for Neptune. <laughs> Good thing this ship only needs a crew of one. Brad travels past Jupiter and has some flashbacks of child extras. Flashback brunettes all. Brad, I'm your wife in this. He travels past Saturn. Beside me, the director stands up. Yeah, this is how long it takes to go there in uh, real time. <laughs> Eventually he sits. Brad reaches Neptune. It's blue. Since he parked too far away, Brad rides to his dad's place in a tiny capsule. While a computer's all, warning, you are not flying me right. Warning. Brad floats around inside his dad's ship. Finds a TV show showing a black and white movie of two grown men dancing and singing something called Kalamazoo. <laughs> Classic Tommy Lee Jones. Brad's face is all, those actors would love watching this. Brad gets bored and plays as a time bomb. Brad, is that you? Good! Brad takes his helmet off. Shit, I guess there is oxygen in here. Dad, I'm here to take you home. This is home, son. You and your mother blow. I like it out here. No air, no sun. This was my destiny. I still love you, Dad. Come on, let's go. No, I must find an intelligent mind. Speaking of which, I just set a bomb. We only have a few minutes. Uh, you're welcome. <laughs> T minus three scenes till credits. <laughs> See, Dad, I tied us together with this bungee cord. That way, nothing dumb can. <laughs> Later, asshole. <laughs> Damn it, Dad! You're ruining the third act. Let me go, son. I know I can find aliens if I just float off into space. <laughs> Until Neptune's gravity sucks me in. No. Okay. Brad watches him float away. <laughs> I didn't have to change much. <laughs> son? Son! 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 Yes, Dad. I... I loved you as Aomer, not so much as Thor. You're like a much older Lutz. Brad watches him float away some more, then swings around on a giant fan blade till it breaks. Then he surfs on it like Dark Star while rocks ignore him. Eventually. <laughs> like the verbs. Started, uh, numbers. I'm gonna blow up Neptune and use the explosion to send my ship towards Earth. I saw it in two of the Rambos and uh, three diehards. Brad blows up Neptune. Neptune explodes Brad back to Earth. <laughs> I guess Brad sleeps the whole way, because when he wakes up, he's falling into Earth orbit and his hair hasn't grown. <laughs> Some explosion. Uh, space control to pit. Um, try not to land in an old man's orchard this time. By the way, you're not under arrest anymore, although your Neptune explosion <laughs> caused uh, 
way more deaths than all the EMPs combined. Welcome back. Some out-of-focus extras, I think the same ones, show up at Brad's space capsule and <laughs> offer him a handout and drag him across the grass. I'm steady, calm, I'm active and engaged. I'm a self-starter able to prioritize and multitask. My penmanship is mediocre, but I'm able to care for fake plants and carry firewood and tie a cherry stem with my uh, anal muscles. I'm concerned about the future, but I'm not concerned. I will live and love Amen. Beside me, the director of the Greys all, wait, that's the ending? (laughs) (laughs) Some words tell me which PA's faces they had to sacrifice to feed the baboon. The end. Uh, Kelly Wan, thank you so much. That, that uh, that, That was suitably epic. Um, I'll, I'll go first. Uh, uh, I, I really wanted to like this so much as I was watching yeah. it, and uh, overall I love the structure of it. I love that it is a languid art house uh, movie where occasionally space adventure stuff happens, uh, like the, the moon rover chase, the monkey, the crew intrigue. Uh, but and I, and I also am totally on board with this whole Heart of Darkness structure of a guy going out into the darkest, blackest void to confront i guess himself or his father or whatever was going on here i really wanted to like this but the overall problem i have with it is it simply can't stick the landing the the finale there's no payoff and the whole movie is a structure pointing you towards this one scene the whole movie you're anticipating this scene and the scene is terrible um so overall i didn't care for this and i just took the easy uh over under uh, I, I love Interstellar, and that's my over because at times it reminded me of Interstellar. Uh, it's the same cinematographer, which I think partly accounts for this uh, space art house movie vibe that it has. Um, and my under, partly just to troll Kelly Wand, is uh, 2001, which also has cool space stuff and a whiffed ending. Uh, but the problem I have with 2001 is I think it's, a, it's too rooted in its specific time with – the, the special effects and the trippy LSD ending. And so I enjoyed this more than 2001, but not quite as much as Interstellar. Dingus, what's an over and under? What did you think of Ad Astra? Uh, well, I put Interstellar over it as well, and I did not like Interstellar. This movie made me like Interstellar. Um, I just, I'm getting, I was just weary of daddy issues. I, it was just a daddy issue movie. And, um, and I just thought the science was utterly ridiculous. I mean, I can go into it later, but I just thought the science was laughable and horrible. Um, and I can forgive that if the movie is interesting, but it wasn't interesting enough, especially for the reasons you said, Tom, that it couldn't stick the landing. I just kept sitting there going, "What? why? What? Why? Why does he say that? Why is he doing that? Why did they wait to go into outer space to do that? Um, so under, I would put, uh, the 2002 version of Solaris. Um, even though Solaris does a little bit of, uh, goofiness and sticking the landing, um, I liked the idea of, uh, choosing a Clooney. I almost chose, um, a Damon to go with the Clooney in the pit, but I had to go with Interstellar. Kelly? Uh, the daddy issues are really generic too, um, which I think is part of it. 
But, uh, and I feel like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood might have ruined this movie for me, because now I don't like Ernest Brad Pitt anymore. Or Z Pitt. I like, or Babel Pitt. Like, I like Hardy Boy Pitt. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I went into this really excited. Uh, my over uh, is First Bad with Ryan Gosling. Uh, Which you've told I, us to see. Yeah, I loved it. I saw it on a plane like a few months ago and I was blown mm-hmm. away by it. And I, as far as I'm concerned, Damien Chazelle's three for three. I thought it was, I, I don't know what he made before the uh, flash, but he wrote, uh, the sequel to last exorcism. True story. Uh, okay. Well, f- um, I like that mov- movie more in hindsight, actually. And that's, mm-hmm. a, it's good to go from that to first man. But I'm a master of symbols, and I've always been a bit envious of those who are masters of matter, like car mechanics and athletes. And astronauts have to be masters of both, like Superman. And, and First Man really like tapped into just my fascination with space travel and like what's required to, to do that. And, and the sounds it makes in those fragile little vehicles. My under, of course, is Interstellar, which I consider you a Trump voter for liking almost. I don't understand why you like it, but... Um, it's less exciting to me than this started out as. Uh, but, yeah. Um, I don't know. I like the right. Rover Chase. Um, so we Kinda. this was this guy's first movie, right? James Gray? We don't know him from anything, do we? No, we know him from The Yards. Um, some sort of uh, cop movie. He's made a few movies. Oh, oh okay. He has. So uh, do we know how this – because this movie had a big budget, I believe – uh, I guess Brad Pitt just believed enough in the script that he helped on board and got this guy what he needed, and I presume let him make the movie he wanted to make, uh, which well, in in ways James I... James mm-hmm. also co-produced it. I don't know if that means anything to you, but... Um, probably that he... Uh, I, yeah, I don't know what that means. I mean, I... <laughs> A producer credit can mean any number of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, a celebrity producer credit generally means one thing, and that is that the celebrity's name and financial wherewithal uh, and uh, enthusiasm for the project was attached to it. Um, so th- that's to, to me. I, I think the actually Brad Pitt is a producer, right? I'm, I just assumed that. Uh, I don't know. I just know that James Gray did, and, and usually if it, if the director. And writer um, also co-produced it. it. It's a project that he really cared about, right? And I got the sense definitely that that was how this guy felt about his script. Uh, yeah. I will say this though: that there's certain things you never see in movies. You never see a character have like an anti-religious conversion, it's like a good, happy ending. And you never see nerds always get hot girls, but there's never one where jocks go for the fat girl. And you never see a movie where a crazy guy doesn't find the aliens. And so I kind of liked the <laughs> concept of that. Like, right. it is kind of a twist in a way. But he's just, the movie's not eccentric enough, and he's, like, none of the dialogue's, like, interesting enough to sustain, to make that go, oh, yeah. I mean, I guess you're right, too, Kelly Wand, in that the expectation is that we're going to discover something mind-blowing and yeah. yeah Tommy Lee Jones did run into aliens or there's going to be like an event horizon kind of thing or it'll be and a I reverse guess... contact and you think it's going to be daddy issues right. but it turns out to be right exactly but uh, I, I think it just doesn't I, I kind of wished it had done that I mean I think maybe the point of it is supposed to be 
that there's nothing else besides that, besides your issues with your family. Uh, yeah, and it's just a weird, a weird format, a weird milieu for tell for making that point and telling that story is the whole solar system. Uh, it's a waste of a solar system because that stuff's fascinating to me. Like I was really hoping this movie was going to be about space spectacles, like the opening set piece. Do you guys remember the uh, the short from a horror anthology called Holidays? with Jocelyn Donahue called Father's Day? I'm just now thinking of this. No. So I fa- saw, yeah. Do, do you remember that, Kelly Wand? I saw it recently, but you have to, to say something to... I, I think Father's Day it. is, uh, along with Amateur Night, which David Bruckner did for VHS, uh, one of the most ingenious short horror films I've ever seen. And I, I love it. I love the structure of it. And it's basically just Jocelyn Donahue listening to a tape recording that appears, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, that appears from her mysteriously disappeared father. And the tape recording talks her through some stuff. But in Father's Day, there are, and I think the director does this two and maybe three times shots of planets lining up and there's no science fiction in this there's nothing about space or aliens or there's no reference to anything extraterrestrial but they're just shots that compare this woman's struggle with her grief over her father uh and paralleling it to the solar system uh, and it's kind of like Tree of Life. I, I think Tree of Life, Terrence Malick yeah. did something like that with Tree of Life. Uh, the, you know, a, a parent's grief and comparing that to the sweep of history and all time in the solar system and the universe. Um, so in theory, I like this idea, and it's very art housey. Uh, but I, to just end with that ending, I st- I, maybe I didn't understand it. Maybe we're not smart enough to appreciate what James Gray did. No, well, I, I think we are. The idea of, of him saying, well, we're all there is i mean th- this is it and so we we really should pay attention to that fact at, rather than poking around in the stars let's just pay attention to the fact that we're it that we have each other and that's it yeah but then they then the, then what tom just said kind of happens i just don't understand why he's making the decisions he's making why i don't like that it's either or too you can do both it's not like Tommy Lee it's not like looking for alien life in the universe is you have to leave your family to do that well, it is, you're, you're right. I mean, it is super contrived, and there's no real explanation for Tommy Lee Jones other than, whoa, he went crazy. Yeah, uh, he's crazy. And, and if you're going to do that, by the way, their final conversation, because the whole movie is leading up to, oh, my God, what are they going to say to each other? You know, what is this scene well, between these two actors going to be? And I love that idea. I love looking forward to a conversation. Right. And I don't understand. Like, that conversation just seemed so uneventful, and there was no substance to it or meaning, or there was no emotion to it. Uh, I just have no idea how that movie leads up to that weird moment. And I don't mind not understanding Tommy Lee Jones's uh, decision so much as I mind the conversation itself being just so flat and dull and unremarkable. Um, it's and it's been it's been promising. It's been giving us thin red line voiceovers yeah. and like and like going this. It's a heart of darkness kind of movie. Heart of darkness. Right. So you go, oh, I'm expecting apocalypse now level. Right. You know. Right. I think, and it's I think Tommy Lee is, Jones. It's Tommy Lee Jones' hobo beard. Like that's it. That's all there right. is to it. And he he doesn't say anything profound. Like we don't know his. Like he just seems like a like a pathetic shell of a man, which is what we're supposed to think, I guess, right? Like well, we're not that's supposed kind of to go. True. Oh, I see both sides. I, I mean, yeah, that's go ahead. Crazy in space, and I'm I'm I would right. like I would have liked. Well, maybe he found clarity. I'd rather have seen that story than what this. Well, as we know from Armageddon, where Steve Buscemi gets space sickness, that's a real thing. 
They smashed. There's a there's a hard SF trilogy called the Mars trilogy by this guy Kim Stanley Robinson. Yeah. And in the first one, it kind of peaks early. There's a revolution on Mars, and they have like a space elevator, and they the rebels cut the cable of the space elevator, and the cable falls to the like think of this as an Irwin Allen disaster movie. Like the cable falls to Mars and wraps around the planet repeatedly. <laughs> And it's there for like people are are salvaging it in like later generations. Wait, how big a cable books. is it? It goes around Mars. It's huge. Yeah, multiple times. And if you see it land, you're dead. If you see the impact, it means you're not going to survive because you're too close to it. You're telling me it, it wraps around the circumference of Mars. Uh huh. It's that it's that big and thick, and it's like like just the thickness of it's like hundreds of feet, it's like super big. Because that's, that's how, how far up you'd have to go. And they move it around Phobos, which is like weird. Is that how it, that's not how a space elevator on Earth would be? I mean, obviously, it would have to be an even bigger space elevator on Earth. What? Well, the gravity's less on in Mars. Yeah, it would right. be on that big on, didn't, on Earth um, too. Was like Earth, a bunch of space elevators on, on Earth too. Well, didn't Arthur C. Was it Arthur C. Clarke or Isaac? I can never remember who talked about a space elevator that would have to be made of diamonds. <laughs> it sounds that? like Clarke a little bit because he yeah. likes to kind of trip you out a little more. Well, as Asimov's like, this is how it would be. Uh, but I don't remember the diamond part. They're not made of diamonds in this one. But, so it's just cable they want to salvage? But it takes you days to ride the space elevator up to the thing, Tom, from the planet. Like I guess I did, yeah, I'm underestimating how uh, massive a space elevator needs to be. All right, that's, how ma- and that's, the thing, that's the thing that bugs me about this movie is like he gets back from Neptune Earth on an explosion – well, okay, that's, let's talk about Just to get to Mars would be two years. Like, the right. amount of time that would take is... That's why we don't... We haven't done it yet. It's just... So, I, I didn't... I had no problem with the science being dumb, because I think the movie doesn't care, maybe? Right. Yeah. But why not? It should. Like, I know. So, I remember, Dingus, we, we went to that uh, Q&A with uh, Jonathan Nolan, and who was the, the Black Hole Science Advisor, Kip... Kip Thorne? Who was the Black Hole Science Advisor Thorne. for Interstellar? It was Kip Thorne, the physicist. Yeah. So and there was a Q&A, and uh, you were there for that, right? Yeah. I, yeah. That, one of the things that annoyed me because he's like, the math didn't work out, and Nolan said it has to, so I went back and redid the math. Well, one of the things that I wanted to ask Jonathan Nolan, but I could tell that it's not the sort of thing that he had an answer for because it wasn't his decision, is – because part of that's part of what they talked about, and that's part of what Kip Thorne was there, is that, yeah, this is what a black hole would really look like, and some of this science, you know, we we based the script on solid scientific things. And the thing that I wanted to ask Jonathan Nolan was, why? I mean, what does that get you? Because I don't think it gets you anything. I mean, I, I again, I'm a huge interstellar apologist, but I don't feel that any of this supposed hard science in interstellar in any way improves it. It's anything other than a marketing bullet point. It's kind of like Tom Cruise doing his own cru- uh, stunts in a Mission Impossible. It doesn't matter. Who cares? Uh, it's a marketing bullet point. So when this movie is dumb with its science, I'm kind of okay with that. Mm, uh, there's an event horizon of that. Okay, climbing up a spaceship while it's taking off and getting in the airlock with the engines burning. Mm-hmm. It's okay that he can climb in the airlock while they're taking off. Yes. Oh, that drives me crazy. There's I mean, no, well, I mean it's, there's no real physics. Physics goes out the window, Dingus, as soon as they stop in the middle of space to investigate a space station. 
Like the whole idea of traveling yeah. in space is based on momentum and using that momentum. Right. You can't just stop and investigate a space station. So, I th- and even earlier than that, but that's where that's where the I was rocket. keenly aware. Exactly, where the fuel is the the mass that uh, that the fuel pushes is meticulously calculated. Like at that moment, I was keenly aware. Okay, this movie is not realistic at all it's only doing things because they help the plot that was the only science the movie was concerned about and i'm all for that in in, a Uh, script well go ahead i I just i just feel that uh as long as the script is aware of that and as long as the script isn't selling me any malarkey about yeah we got kip thorne to really give us real science and that's important to us like i'm okay be dumb stop your spaceship in the middle of a trip to neptune you're not giving us anything else, A. And B, you mock 2001, but to, the reason 2001 holds up for me is because mm-hmm. the science is kind of there until it's not. But like the like the quiet, this the dead silence of space vacuum sure, sure. is to me really suspenseful. And this movie's loud as shit. And just like the moon stuff was like way louder than it should. Like that just seems could, more interesting. I don't know that you could make a 2001 today though. Well, we you would need the original band like saying you can't I mean I just feel that doing space that way because I think they kind of tried to do space that way like with the moon rover chase this movie owes its whole production design to 2001 A and B and B it owes the rest of it 2010 (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) but I just think like you said what do you get out of it like that like an actual space battle would be fascinating. Sure. Like some books. But also completely not forever. cinematic. An actual space battle, the ships would never see each other. That'd be interesting to be watching. Cinematically well, yeah. visualize that it actually would be. Because because I mean, you I mean, need someone like I've seen before. You need someone like Steven Spielberg doing the uh, the air traffic controller scene in Close Encounters. Like you need right. someone who could could appreciate Which that sort of thing. Scene. That that would yeah. be totally cool, but I just think it would be really difficult to do. And uh, well, let's yeah. see it once at least, and then go. Oh, that was boring. Tom was right. <laughs> you know, like we don't know that for sure. Like this movie kept, and also too at the beginning, it sort of feels like it's gonna try that a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I go, oh, it's a hard science fiction movie. How exciting! And then right. by the end, I'm like, Ugh, no. Well, and it's kind of weird, too, that the, that the that if it's going to say, hey, we're going to be dumb with science, like, that makes me even more expect there's going to be aliens. Right. Like, I really, I really, thought, it was, I really thought it was just going to be an abyss where there's aliens and they magically get them back to Earth. I, I, like, I was like, okay, that's what we're setting me up for. Have at it. Show me what you got. I, I thought it was going to be he visits, when, okay, when, on the moon, like, oh, there's moon rover chase on the moon. And I go, oh, he's got to hit each planet on his way out to Neptune. Something right. crazy is going to happen at each one. Yeah. And it's so, like, it, the moon rover thing is the only interesting thing that happened. Come on, killer monkey. Come on. What the I fuck? I love the killer monkey. What? I'm expecting aliens, and that happened. I went, uh-oh, this is cutting into aliens. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like it, abyss. It's just so weird and unexpected, though. Like, I really liked just the weirdness of a rampant monkey loose on a space station. I've, where have you seen that before? Oh, there's a game called System Shock. That has yeah. that. But where have you seen that in movies? Feels like life. With well, you see the off. claw marks. You hear the yeah. line about it being a biomedical and uh, animal research facility. So I think you're kind of primed for that when you see the weird marks and whatnot. No, it sets it up great, I think, which is part of why I liked it. That's uh, what up. It's kind of, it sets up the fact that there's a monkey in a zero-G environment trying to eat your face. It's complete. Well, what's like, that have to do thematically with the 
investigation. Just as much as the the mysterious crew intrigue and the uh, the moon rover, the pirates on the moon. At just as ridiculous. Carver lately, so I'm always looking for why is this in here. It's not just the hard sci-fi stuff that I don't that that bothers me. It's the it's the upholds like like just this it this isn't a thing about physics. I mean, partly it's about physics because you can't climb up a rocket when the engines are going off, but just the simple security measure of you cannot pop open an airlock while a rocket is taking off. That would be impossible. That would be a security issue. And they say, we're going to get you to this top secret base. And then they're like, uh, there's pirates. Well, everybody knew that that was going to happen, but they're not prepared. And then they're suddenly calling in for backup and all they have. Is <laughs> nerf That's gun. true. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're not even prepared for the, the thing that they know is going to happen. I mean, His mission almost fails because it's something that happens all the time to them. This isn't – these aren't hard sci-fi issues. These are the movie just being dumb. And, and that uh, drives me crazy. It drives me crazy. There is a lot of it. There's a lot of like, why would that happen? Right. Like it, it reminds me of when – in a weird way, it reminds me of Light Between the Oceans. <laughs> which I don't remember anything about except that it doesn't make any sense. And then I remember the, the director's wife got angry at us, like the audience. Like, what happened to suspension and disbelief? She wrote like an angry op-ed. And that was her defense of her of like why things didn't make sense. The- I don't remember anything being uh, straining credibility in uh, Light Between the Oceans. Just a guy That's goes a to, run a, to work at a lighthouse. Maybe. <laughs> now, stuff involving the little girl, I can't remember now. Should've yeah, I didn't either. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, let's talk but about like, the cast. Uh, one of my issues, I think, is and Kelly Wan, you mentioned this being a difficult uh, follow-up after Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, I'm not sure that Brad Pitt works as an emotionless, no. stoic hero. No, he doesn't. He's miscast. You're right. He was like this in World War Z, and he would—he was miscast in that too. Oh, and he's God. a producer of both. That's the thing. He doesn't know what he's good at. He's not well, a good he's, scientist. He's great at emoting and being expressive and charming yeah. and a little like larger than life, pretty boy stuff. Like that's he's awesome with that. And being a quiet, stoic, thinky guy whose heart rate never goes above sixty, I it does it does remind me of like George Clooney and Solaris. It's like, what are you doing in this part in this movie? Right. This isn't working. Uh-huh. Yeah, I really miss what? Brad Pitt eating in every scene too. Did he not eat anything in this? Come on, surely he had he a snack at some gray point. marble. <laughs> no, he no, didn't he, eat it though. That was the whole point. The baboon ate. He put the tic tac in his pocket. He wouldn't even eat a tic tac in this movie. <laughs> he's showing you he's he's not he's not your bitch. He's gonna be he's gonna show you his range. I didn't I quite understand too. that whole scene. They're 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 taking the tic tacs to prepare for their psych evaluation and then they're partying. I wasn't clear too. Like the psych evaluation kind of remind. Like I didn't understand the psych evaluation, but at it to be. Uh, charitable towards it, I kind of felt about it. I, I think it was going for what Ryan Gosling did during those tests in Blade Runner 2049. And I forget what they oh. called them. Interlinked. Right, 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 exactly. It was just like weird back and forth psychobiometric stuff. And uh, Denis Villeneuve made it like really interesting and arresting and just mm. memorable, like poetry almost. And, and this, the whole psych evaluation stuff in this was... It's just so I, it was so literal. Well, it's, un, it, it's unreliable too because he fails it. Well, I think the, the, the they're 
there's a moment where he has all of a sudden he talks about rage and his father showing rage. He becomes a completely different person after the animal attack. Um, and he passes that. And there, right. I think there's two, there's two choices there that one, because uh, space command is in charge of all of this, no matter what he says, he's going right. to pass the time. That's what I thought. Yeah. Right. Uh, the other choice is that, well, that is the appropriate response. You gave the appropriate response. No, uh, it's but I think it's the former, that no matter what, until we're done with you, until we're done using you up, we're just going to pass you. Because he fails later by virtually saying nothing, like way well, less. Well, that's, that's getting at what Dingus is saying, that the that Space yeah. Command is basically pulling the strings on whether or not he fails, that they're right. using the psych evaluations as a way to control or gate their agents and their astronauts. And I think yeah. I think it's tell, the movie's telling us that. Right. Uh, okay. Right. And he, when he does become a different person and he still passes, like that's movies. That's when I go, oh, so they're fucking right. They're going to refuse to turn him down for anything because they need it until they don't. Yeah. So uh, I thought that I, was good. I thought that was well done. actually. Well, I like that idea, too, of a space command in a, a sort of a failing uh, political system on Earth breaking apart where Mars is kind of left to its own devices uh, yeah. and the moon is, is a no man's land and there's people fighting there. Like, I, I like yeah, the, the movies. What little world building the movie did, I really enjoyed. Um, then it stops. Well, that's the thing is you can't really do much more once you get to a space station in Neptune where Tommy Lee Jones hasn't shaved for 20 years. Who cares? Like, what, then what are you going to yeah. do? Who cares is, a, is the answer to a lot of questions about this. Because yeah. I wasn't even into the I like not only was Brad Pitt miscast, but I didn't like his character at all. Like I was like, I don't care if this guy meets his dad or not. You know why what? I? Why didn't it's not this? Interesting. I kind of want. So if you're gonna have a movie about father issues, because like um, Barry, Generic. The, the season, the the uh, the the HBO show Barry uh, ultimately reveals itself both seasons and especially the second season as being about father issues. And the interesting thing it does is gives Barry two very different father figures and the story is about how he reacts and interacts with both of them and how they treat him. Uh, I kind of wanted more Donald Sutherland in this and I wish that he'd been along for the ride longer and that James Gray had played with this idea of here's a man who can be a father figure towards you who's actually here and now and with you and alongside you versus this guy who's just a myth who left you a long time ago and is literally destroying all life in, in the universe. Um, like, I, I kind of, when Donald Sutherland died, I, I kind of went, oh, I guess we don't get any more of that. I was, I was I thought it was a missed opportunity to not use more Donald Sutherland. And Ruth Nega gets to hand him his next exposition. I missed him dying. I thought he just was in surgery or something. I, well, they tell I us. I thought he was in he, a coma. Oh, right, 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 yeah. yeah. No, wait, I think Dingus is right. I think he just, I think they just say surgery. Actually, no, I Maybe. thought he died. I'm pretty sure. Didn't I they say? I know said he died, but I don't. No, maybe I, he's in the ICU. Yeah, yeah. At any rate, he's off screen. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, he right. feels Why? a little. Yeah, he feels bad, and then he goes to the hospital. And we don't hear from him anymore. Yeah. And he may he... as well be dead for the movie. Yeah. Well, along the lines of the the sort of the father thing. I mean, the mm-hmm. Cepheus is a is a constellation about a grandfather and a grandson. Um, it, there's a lot of God in this. What do you think of that? I mean, there that's kind of a father thing too. But there's a lot more God in this than I would expect from a science movie. I, I remember like people having crosses. I, I I saw this about three weeks ago. What was the God stuff? Well, they they just uh, you know the um, the pilot of the of one of the ships 
the the ship that stops for the Norwegians uh, to, like prays. They have like a prayer. Or, yeah, like, a, like a mantra. They have like a sort of a, a watered down religious uh, universalist mantra, right? Right, and then the um, the Asian uh, crew member seems to be like almost. Uh, a chaplain on the ship for a little while. At least he's talking about God. And there's a bunch of pe- a bunch of people who, and of course, um, Tommy Lee Jones's uh, character. Uh, there's a lot more God oh, in yeah. this movie than I was. Suggesting. Yeah, he is. Yeah, that's true. Um, Brad Pitt never mentions it at all. It's just not part of his. It's not on his radar, I guess. Right. Um, I don't know. I just I was. It's not something I'm used to seeing a lot of. It's not as smothering as in contact, where it's like a whole thing. Oh, that's a good point, because McConaughey actually plays a chaplain or something, or a priest. Yeah. Oh, that's right. (laughs) Yeah, to make it obvious. That's another dumb, loaded, either-or thing to me, in contact. And then there's dad issues. Fuck contact. Don't get me started. Does contact run Howard? No, it's it's Zemeckis. Oh God! Oh, okay, right, yeah. right. Dingus, who uh, did did any of the listeners see Ad Astra? Oh goodness! <laughs> Give me a sec. Sorry. Okay. Oh, wow, I totally forgot. How was your audience reaction? Because mine was a bunch of stoned kids who were ditching school. I, I felt like, <laughs> and and they got they were like by the end they're like, Ugh. what? Uh, I I think I went like opening night or something. And I I did, did I see it alongside Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I forget. Uh, but, but yeah, I, I, my audience was unimpressed. You saw this? Wait, so you saw two Brad Pitt movies that are long? This one's not that long. But... Actually, I don't think it was with... Well, I forget. No, I routinely do two movies. I'll, I'll rarely go to just one movie. Uh, I used to do that. Now I, yeah. Well, soon I can do it again. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, something. Brad so Pitt. John Renninger uh, says, uh, I'm not sure I liked it. It was kind of ponderous. Good word. <laughs> Yeah, it's true. There, there were bits and pieces that I liked. Yeah. Like the angry killer space monkey. High five, John Renninger. Um, and he likes. You're so the, easy time. He says he likes the <laughs> Queen of Mars. <laughs> I, you know, anytime Ruth Nega uh, shows up, that, that a movie just goes up in my estimation. I I, I hadn't heard it. her voice like her non-southern voice because I only know her from Preacher and Loving. So I didn't. Oh like, yeah, yeah, right, right. Like a normal person. Also, by the way, in that movie Isolation with S.E. Davis that I mentioned when we talked about uh, Babadook uh, last week. Ruth, uh, Ruth, wow. Ruth Negga, she's – I've been – y- you guys are Johnny Come Lately. So I've been a fan of Ruth Negga for a long time now. Sure, actually. That's uh, fair. So fair then call. the other person who wrote in was Brian Becker, um, and he he says it's a shame that, the, that a movie so beautiful and solemn um, – that can make me take baboon murder seriously. <laughs> Messes up the ending so badly. Uh, um, yeah. And I kind of like the way he puts this. Roy McBride's intentional isolation is far more interesting when his distant father plays only a part in creating his personality. And when their relationship is actually just a problem that can be solved by him literally letting go after his dad tells him. Oh, God. That, yeah, I guess that is the thing that they were spell going it out for. More. Like, literally, yeah. Well, he says, he says, I hated you, I didn't miss you at all, and then he says, I still love you, Dad, and then everything's fine, I guess. It's not fine, though. He just never, he fails to connect to, like, he gives up eventually. 
Well, it just occurred to me, I mean, the the fact that Brian put it that way, I guess that was the point, is, oh, you got to let go of your dad issues. See? Get it? Get yeah. it? Literally. You got to let him float <laughs> off into space. And, right. and Brian makes a, a good observation that I, that I thought of, that I thought about, too, and you guys, I think you guys might have already brought it up, but uh, but he says that, I disagree with this, Brian, sorry, but that Brad Pitt gave an excellent performance. I mean, I think he's just staring out of a window and being told, okay, now you see Jupiter. This is what Jupiter looks like. Try to imagine it. Um, but he wonders if the movie <laughs> undercuts the performance by having a, both a voiceover and him talking to the psychology computer. And I think the movie undercuts itself a ton of times with the voiceover. I mean, there's this great, you know, and Kelly, you're right about the production values, but there's this kind of cool commercialism thing that's going on on the moon. Welcome to the moon. And the, the signs look like freeway signs. And I like those little touches, but then that is undercut by that um, Mosquito Coast line about, you know, how his dad would have hated this and burned it all to the ground or whatever. Uh, you don't need to make it obvious to us. We get, we get it. It's, it's, it's a commercial flight to the moon. And you know, John... Commercialized. John used the word ponderous, but I'm just imagining how much more ponderous it would be without the voiceover. Like, I, I, I wonder if that's something that wow. they felt they really needed because, like, like you said, Dingus, watching Brad Pitt look out of a window, like, well, is that going to carry a whole scene? Like, I wonder if the voiceover was something like, you know, the, the studio Runners? felt Blade Runner needed. Uh, oh. I wonder if that was something that somebody watched this and thought, oh, well, maybe we should do some voiceover, James. You love uh, the Blade Runner view. Aren't you that guy? You're talking to me or Dingus. I don't love the you. Oh, uh, I thought that was you. Good lord, no. What's the matter with you, Kelly Wand? First Dingus of all, that's not he's not a replicant. That's, that's not canonical thing. Blade Runner. In in Blade Runner there's no voiceover. Not canonical. Uh, I did okay. think well, that's, yeah. a lot of Brad Pitt's voiceover was funny. Like the um I see myself from the outside Ugh. and my eyes are always on the exit. Always on the exit. Yeah. Uh, there's so many go- goofy lines in his voiceover, including right. the, uh, the sins of the father are visited upon the son. Where'd you come up with that? Oh, Jesus. It sucks. That's the thing. The voiceovers, the lines aren't good, I think is the issue. Oh, there's a and, and really Blade Runner, his delivery is no good. I love the terrible lines in this movie. <laughs> really? Oh, I thought you were joking. Give us more, Dingus. Do you have more in your notes? Uh, yes, I do. I mean, I, there were just a number of things i mean like we have a, we have something of a very classified nature is something that's in an official meeting oh it's very classified like, uh, <laughs> all right donald i hope john ortiz got that line um it, it is in the scene with john ortiz uh, who is also in fast and furious by the way. um and i just liked the the uh the voice over um the loudspeaker when i think when i think it's in the moon police station that kelly called it like <laughs> maintain situational awareness <laughs> what does that mean oh uh, wait someone says that in there it's is it like, it's like a public announcement yeah maintains situational awareness <laughs> and you, what would you do if someone told you that the first thing you'd okay eyes open <laughs> stop moving crouch <laughs> situational maintain it implying <laughs> I, I did. I I liked um, uh, that they were entering the Neptune signal area or something. I just thought that was funny. And also, the it, did it break my dad, or was he already broken? Oh God! <laughs> I cut that 
from the opposite because it was too boring to make a joke about it. <laughs> it reminded me it's of the Saturday Live character. It reminded me of uh, like Jim Carrey during doing voiceover for uh, the Jeopardy skit he did. He he brought his own voiceover to it. Or Tropic Thunder. And he was playing Matthew McConaughey and doing this voiceover, like as if he were in those Buick or Oldsmobile commercials. Oh, right, right. right. Uh, that's good. I so think as you said, you were going to reference a, a Matt Damon movie in comparison to this. Do you mean The Martian? The Martian, yeah. Okay. But I like The Martian. I was going to say, you're pro-Martian, though, yeah. Yeah, because I think it has a good sense of humor. Uh, and this just has none. It's best comedy, according to the Emmys. Oh, that's right, yeah. Oh, good point. Very so good. wait, do you guys, neither of you saw First Man? No, no, why would we? It's a dumb astronaut movie. It's a bio. Now you know what? I don't have a problem with an astronaut movie. Biopics. I just Kelly Wand. I can't. Biopics are just such a chore. I agree with you, and that's why I was surprised. And it's also, you know, I liked it because it's like about a guy that would, you would normally get a biopic about because he's kind of like, kind of quiet. He's like Black Panther. But. <laughs> but I don't know if I can watch it without hearing that voice. Yeah, it's you've also stars. ruined every Ryan Gosling performance for me and Dingus. So nice work. And somebody, yeah, I know. somebody says at some point catastrophe is very possible in this movie. <laughs> Wait, when? I don't remember that. I don't part. remember. It was too dumb a line to remember the whole line. I just remember. So the word "very" again. Catastrophe is very possible. Very possible. Very classified. Kelly, one. Did you ever get around to watching a movie that Dingus and I have told you to watch called Prospect? No. Okay, it's, much, it, it, it's also it just makes me think of like having stylized dialogue, uh. amazing world building and production values, uh, and daddy issues. And a good yeah, but a really decent relationship. That's a good. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Yeah, no. Prospect, I think, is is, is a is a it, prospect. This if if you just pumped a ton of money and studio notes into Prospect, this is what you would get. But Prospect uh, didn't have a ton of money. It didn't get studio notes. It was just a couple of guys doing their own thing, uh, and they did. More close-ups of Brad looking at Jupiter. <laughs> <laughs> Quick. And as, as Kelly Wong, uh, Pablo Neruda is in Prospect. Pablo Neruda, please. <laughs> That's my favorite Nebula in Wrath of God. <laughs> That racist. All right, so we saw Ad Astra. What are we going to do to slaves? Yeah, how are we going to follow this up? I guess Kelly Wan, what should we watch up. next week? We're going to watch a, a Scorsese uh, pastiche <laughs> Joker. Oh, well, it's an R-rated superhero movie. So is Irishman, by the villain. way, is Irishman a biopic? It is, isn't it? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. wait. The Scorsese thing. Okay, whatever. I mean, if you name I it Irishman, I'm assuming. I the Irishman. There's something else called that. No, it's the next Scorsese movie. It's Irishman. All right, so we're going to see Netflix. Joker. Uh, not yeah. the Joker. It's just Joker. Uh, if you see it, and I know you've seen it, you guys are like us. You're suckers for every superhero movie, especially the weird different ones. Send us an email to 3x3 at quarter3.com. Let us know what you thought of Joker. Uh, also, Kelly Wan, what should they be thinking about over the next few weeks for our next 3x3 episode? Oh, yeah, three best bullies in movies. Mm. Which so, Tom sounded excited about when he said it. <laughs> oh! <laughs> bullies! That's how Tom talked. Kelly, <laughs> Kelly Wan, if they, if they have some ideas for uh, their favorite bullies, what should they do? Oh, yeah, I was getting to that. I just wanted to make sure they understood what you sounded. Uh, 
If you have bullies in movies you want me to read poorly your descriptions of on the air, in quotes, send your bullies in movies to 3x3 at quarter to three dot com, and I will mangle them. Verbal. Oh. And just a quick note too. I think a lot of anime is about kids in like a high school situation. Oh, there's and no bullies. Bullies, in Japan. bullies are endemic to high school, so oh. maybe there's some good anime bullies. Oh. They're and, just uh, called Ronin sure, there. Make sure to include very specific names of characters if you uh, have an anime bully you'd like to tell us about. Oh, uh, if you have, yeah. if you have uh, bullies you'd like to tell us about, get us the three by three at quarter to three email by midnight Pacific on October 27th. And if you see Joker, and I know you have, send us an email by Midnight Pacific on October 13th. We will see you then. I am Tom Chick. I've been here with Christian Murkowski. It's Christian Murkowski. And Kelly Wand. In the movie Twins, I play a genetically engineered Nazi who sleeps with Kelly Plastin and learns from his mother how the sperm temperatures work. And then the Vito plays his romancing the stolen character as usual. <laughs> I have a large skillet of bacon grease in my yin-yang, but I want you to make sure I leave it in there until Arbor Day so I can say it's for charity. Kyle Chandler. I don't know if I hope to find him or finally be free of him. I think I know which one. I prefer that we be more capable and prepared than lucky. Observation, reflection, faith, and determination. In this way, we may navigate the path as it unfolds before us. All right, and we have, what, eight more recharged cycles to go before we get to Aurigai 6? Is that a question, yes, sir? Yes, Walter, that's a question. That is correct. Dingus at astronaut. <laughs> Psychological evaluation has been approved, Kelly Wan. Aw. Welcome to come back to America. <laughs> All right. I hear your standards are pretty high.